Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he scored a goal every time he's had a shot. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast. With me, as always, the Roberto Carlos to my Ronaldo. The BFG and Billy are back. Let's get straight into it. I'm a big fan of that one. This week, we are talking FA Cup. You know, what happened and all the goings on with that. We take a look ahead to the European tournaments that are starting uh, tonight, actually, at the time of recording Wednesday. And we talk transfers with the one that seemingly won't go away. We've got some updates on Jaden Sancho. Uh, don't don't boil it down to only Jaden Sancho. We've actually there's actually been a fair bit of going on. I mean, it's not high profile transfers, but you know, relatively a relative, relatively solid amount of transfers in in comparison to recent weeks. Put it that way. But without further ado, let's go to the FA Cup, which you know it it put a smile on my face because it's just the underdog winning again. I didn't. I, no one pegged Arsenal to be winning that. <laughs> just no one did. Again, I, I need to start getting into a position where I remember what time football starts because I missed Pulisic's goal, which was, yeah, take nothing away from minutes. it, it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, it was five minutes in as well, just right off the bat. But I think the, the way to describe that FA Cup, kind of like American football, it was almost a game of four quarters. You know, the first half Oof. of the first half, Chelsea battered Arsenal around... Yeah the field but then i get probably after the drinks break really or just before the drinks break arsenal they started to play more they started to do what Mikel arteta's wanted them to do well that's it's interesting you said because i went um in the last in last week's episode when or i think i don't know if it was the episode last week or before that but i said when arsenal beat what was it? It was either Liverpool or Man City. No, it was City. When they beat them, they actually had a clear plan. And there was the kind of the the awakening moment that everyone realized, you know, Arteta's actually doing something with that team and, you know, they're following his plan. So you saying that they're following his plan again just shows, you know, Arteta's, I think, come through to that team and he has a dressing room. He's got the confidence of the players and they're slowly starting to form a cohesive, you know, unit. Yeah. And again, granted Chelsea went one up and it just highlights what we've said and what everyone else seems to say about Chelsea. Going forward, fantastic. They will only be better next season with Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech. And if they get Kai Havertz, they'll only be better, but they need defenders. They can't not have... You play such a high line against the pace of Nicolas Pepe, Lacazette, Aubameyang. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're going to need some guy who is actually, you need a pacey center back who's going to be able to cover, you know, the lumbering ones, if you will. Exactly. And I'm 
you know, as good as he has been for Chelsea, Cesar Azpilicueta is not that dynamic centre-back to compensate for the lack of dynamism in the others if you're going to play a back three. Yeah, yeah, especially if you play a back three because you obviously, you know, obviously going back a back three is supposed to be supported by the wing backs and should become a back line of five. But on the break, that back three is going to stay a back three. Yeah, exactly. You, you say Marcus Alonso loses the ball mm-hmm. and you've exposed Rudiger and Kurt Zuma uh, on that left-hand side of Chelsea's defence. But again, both take, are, yeah. take nothing away from Arsenal and take nothing away from Aubameyang. 70th goal for Arsenal. A little dink over Caballero. Well, that was a surprise as well. Yeah, and I mean, and to give all credit to him, he scored a brace in the FA Cup final. He is a striker who has come up big for his team in when the crucial moments. Exactly. You know, and yeah, Arsenal do need some reinforcements elsewhere, but the biggest bit of business they can do, you know, in my opinion, would be to get him tied down, not necessarily a long term, but at least, you know, two, three more years. Yeah, I mean, he's 31 at the minute. You can, uh, you can definitely tie him down for two to three more years. Because, by, I mean, by that, and then by that time, you know, who knows, Nicolas Pepe might be able to take over for, from Aubameyang or you get another, you know, young striker. But that's beside the point. I think it's just going back to what you said, Chelsea need to sort out that back line and sign a pacey center back to compensate. Because I'm not going to slag off Zuma or Rudiger too much because they're in and of themselves they're a solid they're a solid center back pairing at least and you know sub- being supported by Aspelaqueta is not it's not a bad back line but having three of the three guys who are you know relying mostly on their positioning because they know their pace won't save them it's a bit too much to ask especially when you have a team that can you know overrun you on the wings and and up front, like Arsenal did. And there's one blemish on that final as well. Not the number of injuries that happened, because, you know, God forbid you don't wish injuries on anyone. Yeah. But the refereeing performance was absolutely... Yeah, it was horrendous. Sending, sending Matteo Kovacic off for... I just... He hasn't touched Granit Xhaka. No, in, in, I think I think that that broke them. That broke that broke Chelsea in that match as well. Because once you go down to ten men, ooh. I mean, they were just starting to get the ball back again and start playing again. And yeah. then I think was it Bobby? Yeah, Bobby Madley. Bobby yeah. Madley. Yeah, I think. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Who you know, they gave him another FA Cup final. <laughs> which they don't normally do, but he, it happened in 2017. Again, Arsenal against Chelsea. That's the funny part as well. You know, uh, a, a poor refereeing decision against Chelsea, Arsenal win the cup. Three years later, an even worse refereeing decision against Chelsea and Arsenal win the cup. I mean, there's no guarantee Sorry, Chelsea ref- would have equalised. Just, just interjecting here. Referee was Anthony Taylor. That's the one, Anthony Taylor. Just to make, just to get that one cleared up. But yeah, you, de- yeah, you're not wrong. It's twice in a row 
the same referee who's, you know, to a certain extent, screwed Chelsea over. And also, uh, what was it? Martinez, um, Arsenal's goalkeeper, just, you know, absolutely running out, taking a step outside his own box and just handling the ball like he would in the five-yard area. Or the, I mean, sorry, sorry the six-yard area. It's... <laughs> Like you, when you see the replay and you see how you know, you know the Hawkeye, as if they were lining it up for offside, um, you just see how he's a solid foot outside his box. Like you, can't, I can't even make the argument that his feet were outside the box, but his hands were in. Like his hands are fully outside the box. All of him is outside the box. It's ridiculous. And he's caught the ball. I mean, how do you not see that? As a lino as well. I, I've said it before on on here, and I'll I'll keep reiterating it until people either physically attack me in the street to tell me to stop or it changes <laughs> it's the best football the best league in the world granted this was the FA Cup but still top officials from the top league in the country should be doing better yeah. worst officiating going yeah I mean it it really is baffling to me I, something has to change, but it won't because people are stubborn as fuck. <laughs> well, but, I'd say I'm j- just as a little anecdote to round off the this small piece on the FA Cup. Bamiyang manages to drop said trophy, and what was it? He broke the plinth off of on which the on which the trophy was st- on which the trophy stands. So basically, like the little. I don't know what you there's some there's some word for it, but I mean Stand. come on. What what is it? What is it with 2020? Brennanslav Ivanovich managed to smash the trophy oh, that uh, Zenit St. Petersburg. Yeah, Zenit St. Petersburg got uh um for winning the Russian league. I mean, given who the hell makes a freaking glass trophy. Well, it, it wasn't the That's worst. Cut back a few years ago when Sergio Ramos drops the uh La Liga trophy one, yeah. un, under the bus. <laughs> Oh, no, that, that was the best part. Not only did it drop, but then the, you just see the bus slowly just right over it. It was like one of those uh, hydraulic press videos you see on YouTube. Oh, oh no. I didn't, but oof. moving from the FA Cup, but sticking with Arsenal, and I don't want to sour all the praise I've heaped on Arsenal just now, but something, you know, I, I don't know the inner workings of that club. I don't know the financials of that club. But a club that's paying, voluntarily paying Mesut Ozil £350,000 a week to not play football. To not play football. Let me emphasize that again. Yeah. And is offering another player who hasn't even signed with them, is offering them 130 k a week. Arsenal have just laid off, made redundant, 55 members of staff from all levels and there was something that the highest yearly earning of that was 40k a year like and one of them you're offering oh oh that just it just makes my bubble you're offering one guy double the amount of your highest yearly salary that you've just let go and you're offering that a week Ignoring the fact that you get prize money from winning the FA Cup and the Europa League campaign alone is worth at least 40 million. 
Uh, it, it that just that is just enough to make anyone's blood boil. It's, I mean, it's 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 bad enough that Arsenal also have the highest the highest minimum price for a season ticket in the whole of the Premier League. I mean, we're talking about you know I'm going to have to bring this up now. Sorry, Arsenal fans, but you're getting you're gonna get it today. Your club is mid table at the minute, my friend. You cannot be charging. I think it's it. I think nearly exact two thousand. It's just over two thousand pounds. I uh, I thought it was just under two thousand, but I don't know. We'll just go with two grand per season for your minimum. Your lowest season ticket price is two grand. You're a mid-table club. Get your shit together, man. And you've just made fifty-five people redundant, and you're paying is it thirty three hundred fifty k a week? I mean, the priorities in that club are just skewed beyond belief. Well, one of them and probably the highest profile casualty uh, is one of their chief scouts called Francis. I'm going to put it Francis Caggio. And uh, he's the scout responsible for bringing Cesc Fabregas, Hector Bellerin, and most recently uh, Martinelli to the club. I mean, arguably three of Europe's hottest finds in the last 20 years. So well done. But I'm sorry, that's 20 years that man's been at Arsenal. Okay, that's... No loyalty. That's indefensible and utterly fucking shameful. Here, here. 14 14 FA Cups or not. No, I'm sorry, but no Premier League club has any right to make 55 people redundant who are on on 40K or less a year. You look at the backlash when Liverpool and Spurs put non-playing staff on furlough oh yeah yeah it took Unreal. Them back. i wouldn't be su- off you've got enough money to pay those oh, i just let's All move on to something I'm... happy before i pop a blood vessel oh yes the champions league the champions league is back i mean as well so is the europa league but we're going to start say, with the champions don't forget league. the europa league Go on. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to start with the champions league. we'll get to europa league in a minute the Champions League, since we just talked about the FA Cup and the fact that, you know, Chelsea had a bunch of injuries, we will start with the, with, the big, with the big one, I mean, at least for me, which is obviously Bayern Munich versus Chelsea. Bayern have a 3-0 away advantage after smacking Chelsea up and down Stamford Bridge in the first leg. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Okay, I'm being a little bit, little bit harsh. Chelsea did have some good spells, and they had a couple shots on target, which you know Neuer saved in world class fashion. Um, but you know there was, I'm pretty sure everyone can agree that there was night and day between Chelsea and Bayern because Bayern were just, I mean, ruthless in that first game. Lewandowski came up big. Davies was making anyone who tried to defend him on that left side look like they should be made redundant. I was going to say, um, Davies was probably your best player that night. Yeah, yeah. But looking at this match now, and just after what we've seen in the FA Cup, Chelsea have now got, in the category of injuries and bans, six key players, four of which are probably from your starting 11, two your, your first choice backup wingers. 
So you've got Marcus Alonso out on red with a red card that he got in the first leg. Jorginho picked up a second yellow in the first leg. Pulisic went out of the FA Cup with a hamstring injury, and he will definitely not be fit. Aspilicueta has some kind of thigh injury, also out, also sustained during the FA Cup. And then your two main backup wingers, Willian and Pedro, both out with the former also out with a hamstring and Pedro out with a dislocated shoulder. That is a hefty blow, especially when you're going up against a Bayern Munich team who look like they are probably the favorites to win this competition. You reckon your favorites? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay, it's a big it's a big shout, and we'll get to that in a minute, but I don't know. What do you see them being able to pull out a 4-0 at the Allianz Arena? when they're missing four key players. Oh, God, no. No. I mean, Bayern München legend Lothar Matthäus said he's going to need an imagination from a different planet to dream up a situation where Chelsea will make it through. I mean, Chelsea, I don't want to bring it up again, but Chelsea weren't meant to win the Champions League at the Allianz. But, granted, you know, the form that Bayern are in, regardless of your season having finished already. Yeah. And the injuries to Chelsea, it'd be hard to, even if they get one, Lewandowski will probably get two. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, one thing to keep your eye on is Lewandowski already has the chance this, in this mini tournament to set a new Champions League goal-scoring record in a single season. Ronaldo, during the 2013-14 campaign with Real Madrid at the time, and Radamel Falcao in the 2010-2011 campaign with Porto FC jointly hold this record at 17 goals scored in one Champions League season. You know, just a little anecdote, given how crap Falcao was for you. Um, I was going to say... I think that's pretty... Yeah, <laughs> that's a big one. 17 goals in one Champions League campaign is a far cry from a goal against Aston Villa. Oh, unreal. I'm pretty sure even Schweinsteiger scored more goals for United than uh, Falcao did. Hey, Bastian Schweinsteiger <laughs> scored an overhead kick against Wigan. As far as I I'm concerned. West Ham. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's, no, it was Wigan. he's a legend. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, retire is 31. Oh, it's yeah. Let's not, not start that debate well, again. But looking <laughs> at the other fixtures from the remaining yeah. last of 16, so already through... To the quarters, you've got Atalanta, PSG, RB Leipzig, and Atletico Madrid playing Which each other I'm respectively. Gonna, I'm not going to lie. That's a pretty... Uh, a couple of those are surprising because one, I would not have, before the round of 16, I would have said Liverpool are through and Dortmund, especially after the first leg, looked like they definitely had... Uh, sorry, not City. PSG's number. And... Atalanta, who had, who had them pegged to be making it even out of the group stages? Well, I mean, 99 goals scored in Serie A this season. They're yeah, but definitely, more, okay. uh, I, do you know what? I'll give that, but, you know, before gonna, this season. Uh, no, uh, yeah, maybe not before the season, but I'm going to put my... I'm going to throw my wild card at Atalanta and say they're going to beat PSG because it's only a one-off game in this mini-tournament. yeah. yeah. So yeah. they're one-off games. And I don't know, PSG seem to have this weird 
I spoke about it uh, last week, two weeks ago, about mental blocks. Yeah, also, men- I mean, mentality-wise, you're talking about the only team in this whole competition whose league for them ended when Corona lockdown started. True. And we're talking PSG, the last, I mean, given they played the, the French version of the FA Cup, um, which they narrowly won on penalties, but that was their first match since, I want to say it was March. And, uh, and an Mbappé-less PSG. Yes. Yeah, Probably, you that know, is a big it's just one. a small matter of, Na- of Neymar. But um, <laughs> Mbappé yeah, still, still, still a bit of a blow. Very true. I mean, I'm not going to lie. RB Leipzig, given without Timo Werner, probably a more different team. But they themselves, um, players and in interviews and the manager as well, they themselves are seeing them uh, or they're basically touting themselves as maybe having the chance to make it through to the final. And, you know, they're saying an all-German final would not be that far from reality, which... I think when they did have Timo Vanna, I would have given them that. Now, ooh. and you it's know, a, it's just a small it's a stretch. It's just a small matter of Man City are still in, Juventus yeah. yeah. are still in. <laughs> okay, so there's four remaining round of sixteen fixtures, which are the big ones. I'd th- I'd say we'll go right into the ones that are going to be played this Saturday. So. Those are, um, as we've discussed, Bayern versus Chelsea and Barcelona v Napoli, which I think their 1-1 draw in the first leg was definitely also indicative of where Barcelona's form are. And I'd, I'd probably put my hat, throw my hat in for the same result happening uh, in the second leg as well and them having to go to penalties because Barcelona's form this season has been dropping dramatically since uh, the Christmas break. Yeah, I think it's difficult, but I'm going to put Napoli to just edge that. Yeah, I could see it. Be it it. it a 2-1, maybe. Obviously, you're through against Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd say for the Chelsea one, just as a small prediction, a 2-0. 2-0. Just because we are not or we have had a month break now and we've had one test match against, given it was Olympic Marseille. Um, but still, it's, uh, it's, it's been a little bit. So I'd say we're not going to go all out. But, you know, a 2-0 comfortable win, I'd see, over Chelsea. Barcelona, 1-1. I mean, this... You've just got to also look at what's been happening in and around Barcelona as well. Like for one thing, the game was almost postponed due to rising coronavirus cases in Barcelona again. True. Um, they've openly criticized the manager. Players have literally gone in front of the media and said, "You know, I don't like this guy. I don't like his coaching style. I don't like what he's doing." Well, uh, the president said uh, he's not a Barcelona manager. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I mean, there is open critique from all sides against his manager. And I mean, to add insult to injury, I think Griezmann is still questionable if he's still, he will be fit in time given he has not been, you know, a cornerstone of that Barcelona team this season, but still um, someone who can make an impact in my opinion. Busquets, definitely a cornerstone and he's on his second yellow. And Arturo Vidal also banned in the 
from from a from the first leg. So questions to be asked, I think, and Napoli definitely have a good, very good chance. Like Lorenzo Insigne, Dries yeah. Mertens, Chucky Lozano. Again, it's not you think about a caliber of front three or caliber of players. There seems top. to be there seems to be more of a togetherness with Napoli than there does with Barcelona. Even though Napoli's front top draw. Exactly. But Friday's matches, you are a barefaced liar saying PSG are the only team whose league finished early when you've got Leon still left in the competition. Yeah, okay, but I'm sorry. Well, I mean, we've... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to completely uh, do a 180 on what I was just about to say because <laughs> Leon are the ones with the advantage having won 1-0. I mean, it was a pretty much a, you know, the FIFA-type game where Juve was, statistically speaking, better than Leon in every category. With the one exception, shots on target, where Juve had, and hold on to your seats for this one, zero shots on target. Serious. Yeah. Mad. We're talking about a team that boasts one, arguably the best player to ever play this game in Ronaldo. And, you know, you've got Juan Cuadrado, you've got Babala, you've got Pjanic. You've got, you've got so many players in this team. That, I'm, that are, I'm still backing them to overturn that. Yeah, I mean, also just thinking, you know, they, they led them in possession, shots on goal, tackles won, pass completion, they had 87% versus the 77% from Leon and double as many passes, uh, you know, 661 to 353 passes completed. They were just in front of, or they had Leon's number in every single category except the aforementioned shots on target. Um, small note to be made uh, Dybala is questionable. He has been injured um, and is questionable if he will be fit in time for Friday's match. It'd be interesting to see, but you think Ronaldo, there's always the possibility yeah. of the spectacular. Yeah. So he could quite easily rock up and score three. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. I don't care if he's 35 or 25. There's no real difference in his uh, physical state between him him now and him 10 years ago. Um, so I think it's a, I think it's a very, very – it's going to be a very good, good night for Juve and Ronaldo could probably pull something out of the bag. And then finally, arguably the, uh, the heavyweight of the round – yeah. City a 2 1 up on aggregate against Real Madrid. And to mention that one as well, City did this with an away advantage. So they have two away goals. It's difficult because the United fan of me says Madrid. Here's the thing I've been trying to rationalize it by saying, you know, Karen Benzema's been unreal since the restart. I think it's yeah, but here's the thing: I wouldn't knock Madrid too much because, as you said, Benzema has been unreal. The one problem that I see is that one of the main reasons that that Real Madrid did manage to overtake Barcelona and secure their thirty fourth uh, La Liga, 
that statistic alone is already unreal. But I, the one, one of the main reasons for that was Sergio Ramos, not just his leading leadership abilities. I mean, also, you know, he's now their number one penalty taker, which, which I think no one saw. For, for a center back. <laughs> I think, yeah, he's, and he's also big. Now he's now the officially one of the, I think he's the most, the, I think he's the most um, prolific defender in all of La Liga, as in, in La Liga history. Which is un- it's unbelievable. I think he scored seventy one goals, if my figures are correct, uh, to in in all of his time in La Liga. But here, and I say the problem because as great as Ramos is, he picked up a second yellow in the first leg, and he is definitely banned for this from this tie. So how are you going to compensate the leader in that team? Yeah. It's difficult, and especially you know, City, De Bruyne's on form, Sterling's been great. Yeah, the only one uh, City are missing right now is Benjamin Mendy because he picked up his second yellow, and I'd say they'll be able to compensate. Yeah, I don't think Pep, well, I don't think Pep fancies Mendy, to be honest. No, I don't think so either. I mean, just a small side note, the problem children of Real Madrid – Gareth Bale and James Rodriguez were both left out of the Champions League squad. I like, I like that, the problem, children. Well, right. I know where Bale's going to be Friday night. He's going to be on a golf course, not giving a shit about the game, is what he, where he's going to be. <laughs> Mate, if they're paying me that much money. Here's the thing as well. Bale has literally got, um, and excuse the expression, but he's got Real Madrid's balls in his fist. Because nice. he can literally sit out. I mean, if he doesn't care about not playing, he can set out his contract and and keep getting paid. What is it, three hundred fifty k a week? Well, that's the thing. Someone it was on Talksport, so it's not you know the most credible. But someone on Talksport mm. tried to claim that Gareth Bell was the victim in all this. Not really. Um, if you if you think about the way he's conducted himself. I'd actually give I'd give whoever said that on Talksport a or I'd back them up on that because I'm definitely saying you're correct when when you say that you know the way he's conducted himself in recent or basically in the last season and a half really he hasn't been the model player so there are def- he definitely could have bit back his pride and said do you know what? I'm just going to keep training. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to keep going and hopefully I'll get a chance. On the other hand, I don't see why Zinedine Zidane just stopped playing him all of a sudden. Especially when you have to compensate losing Ronaldo in, um, ahead of the 2018-19 season. I would have thought that he's your number one guy to you know, take over from him. Yeah, maybe there's you know obviously there's stuff that goes on that we don't see or we don't hear about. Maybe oh, yeah, one definitely. day Gareth Bale will talk about it. <laughs> but probably get asked by asked by reporters every single time he comes on as like a pundit or whatever. You know he'll he'll still get in the Wales team for next season's Euros. Oh yeah, I mean he's still their best player. Regardless if he point. doesn't play at all next season as well, he'll still yeah. get into that Wales team. He'll still be their talisman. 
Yeah. But enough about Gareth Bell. So the lineup for the quarters, we've got Atlanta against PSG. Difficult, but I'm backing Atlanta. Let's just go for the underdog. Come on. Everyone loves a good underdog story. Come on, the Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta. RB Leipzig against Atletico Madrid. That's going to be a close one. Not going to lie. With or without Timo Vanna, RB Leipzig are still a good team. I think that's difficult to call. I, maybe Atletico. Maybe just because of their experience. Because RB Leipzig yeah. are only in their third season of you know top-tier football and their second season of Champions League. And, and this the, is the first time this club has ever been this far. The third quarterfinal, Napoli or, Bar- or Barca versus, versus Bayern Munich. Or Chelsea. <laughs> I love how we're already just going with that. It's just going to be Bayern. There's no chance in hell that Chelsea are going okay, to... When, when Chelsea win 4-0 <laughs> on Saturday, <laughs> I'll clip this bit up and I'll post it. <laughs> okay, here, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If that actually were to happen, one, you know... I deserve getting this bit clip, uh, clipped up and put, reposted. Second of all, I think that would be Hansi Flick out on his ass. <laughs> you can't lose. There is, there is no excusable way to lose to this team. There are missing four key players, and you're at home again. And this is the exact same team that beat you in the final that you had at home eight years ago. There is no excuse to be lo- – there's no way in hell that you can be losing this match. You should be going into this match thinking, I want to beat these guys 4, 5, 6, 7 nil if possible. Like, I want them to feel as miserable as we did that 2012 time. And there's still players on Bayern's team who were there for that final. Manuel Neuer, Jerome Boateng. You know, there's uh, there are players who still remember that. And I think – if that were to happen. Struck a nerve with that one then. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> and then the last one, Real Madrid or Man City versus Leon or Juventus. Oh, imagine the scenes when it's going to be City versus Juve. Oh. No. <laughs> you want Madrid. <laughs> Billy, don't worry about it. It's going to be, it, at the latest, it's going to be Bayern versus City in the final. And then Bayern are just going to, you know, decimate City. Now nah, you're going to get decimated by Kevin De Bruyne if you come up against Kevin De Bruyne. I'm sorry, you're talking about some, you're talking about a team that has in their midfield Goretzka, Kimmich, Thiago, Müller, Sane. Oh, no, we can't play. No, him. you can't play Sane. Uh, <laughs> Müller, but still, we've got Gnabry, Coleman, and Perisic. And then also, you know, big man Lewandowski, who, by the way, is on 51 goals this season across all, all competitions. Just going to put that out there. 11 okay, goals maybe, in the Champions League alone. Maybe not slapped about. I just want to wind you up and watch you go. Uh, you're just doing this for the clickbait, aren't you? It's really easy. Okay, moving on to transfers. We're going to uh, leave are we the not best talking, last. Are we not talking Europa League? Because I know so many people care about that. Well, I, I have, I've started, this time it's me who struck a nerve with that one. <laughs> God, it might be the Mickey Mouse European trophy, but it's the only one we're in this season. I am very sorry. You I, are right. All I, wanted to talk, all I wanted to say really was the only way I can see it going is United enter in the final, really. 
That's a shout, to be fair. Um, looking Seeing at the fixtures Shakhtar, that are getting... Shakhtar slapped Wolfsburg 3-0 tonight. Copenhagen beat Istanbul by six year, 3-0. So that's a United play, Istanbul. No, Copenhagen, sorry. You know, Inter Milan, Getafe. It's, it's, it's a one-legged tie, and it's, it's on tonight. And yeah, I know, but... It- it is. It is current. It is, first of all, currently, yes. Oh, Romelu Lukaku is put into one nil up. That being said, Inter Milan have also been, you know, their defensively sound team that can always be dangerous up front with, you know, Lautaro Martinez, Romelu Lukaku, even Alexis Sanchez. Um, they've openly stated that their main aim is to win the Europa League, which you know, after only finishing one measly point behind Juve for the. Um, for the Italian Scudetto, um, they is they, they definitely have you know something to prove. You know, injuries wise, Inter doesn't really have a lot to you know a lot missing, and I'd say the only unrest they've got that might be affecting them during this match, and obviously it isn't because they're up one nil, is that unrest around uh, Antonio Conte, which is ridiculous. He's managed them. Why would you leave after a year? It's not he who wants to leave. It's, it's or the, basically, uh, it's his. It's his problems with the board, and I think the board are the ones who are trying to, you know, force him out. Because there, are also there's also talk of you know um, Allegri, the ex Juve coach, coming in to take over from Antonio Conte. Which you know, given if they if that is the case, then they're not really you know make, having a loss in the coach department, but. I don't see why they would take out um, Antonio Conte after only one season and, you know, having them finish second in the Serie A and they're in the Europa League right now. They're up 1-0. It makes no sense, does it? It really doesn't. I mean, that be you know, and they're playing against uh, Getafe, who are a team who are like who play similar to Atletico. They provoke their opponents with lots of fouls, you know, clever football using a compact 4 4 2 counting or attacking. Um, but then again, Getafe are also a team who are poor form wise, only having won one out of 11 matches since the restart. So, you know, Inter should be comfortably beating this team. You say that, but it's only 1-0. And while it's still only 1-0, anything can happen. But now... Sevilla tomorrow versus Roma. Oh, I don't know. Sevilla, Sevilla, both teams have not shown themselves to be too bad. Sevilla have actually remained unbeaten since the restart, even holding or or finishing seven out of their 11 matches with a clean sheet. And Roma... Likewise, have stayed unbeaten since the restart. Um, no, scratch that. They've stayed unbeaten in the last eight matches in the league, winning seven of them, and managed to beat Juve among other teams in the league. Yeah, They're but that's like when blown. that's like when Arsenal beat Liverpool. They'd already won the league, <laughs> but Roma have been weakened Bro, that, that, by that's uh, the by the, yeah. the they've lost Smalldini. Smalldino. <laughs> The big man uh, at the, the back. Thing, we say that we say that with you know with laden with irony, but it's true. But he's actually done well. <laughs> it's it's actually quite true how well he's done. He's done better, I think, in a Roma shirt than he's ever done in a United shirt. Um, 2015, 16 season. 
Okay, maybe, but the season know, where he was dubbed Mike Smalling by Louis Van Gaal. <sighs> Love that. Love My that. vice captain, Mr. Mike Smalling. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. what? <laughs> sorry, Chris. <laughs> but okay, now we can move on. Let's talk transfers, and I have something. Should we leave? Should we leave the best for last with this one? <sighs> okay. Okay. We'll go through all. We'll go through all the little, the the smaller ones, and then we can, you know, unload about your boy, Jaden Sancho. The optimism stepping with every passing day. <laughs> um, we'll talk. Okay, first of all, we'll talk about some Bundesliga news. Freiburg's keeper Alexander Schwolo has now had, or is now moving to Hertha Berlin on a permanent move. And he's going to be coming in as a new number one. I'd say it's a very good signing because he is a sol- he's been a solid keeper and he's one of the main reasons why Freiburg are finishing always within, you know, so he, they always finish so close to making uh, the Europa League every season. And he's, that re- he's been the reason for that. So are they bringing in another keeper or are they losing one of their better players and not replacing I have yet to find out about how they're going to replace him, but um, you know, with Berlin buying a new number one, their current number one, Rune Jahrstein, might be up for grabs. And then again, there's also the matter of Bayern uh, having Sven Ulreich, who probably won't stay on if he's not going to be at least number two. I say because you just brought in Nubel from Schalke. Yep. Exactly, and he's supposed to be the designated number two until Noya uh, retires. So eventually, shrivels up. And... He's not a bad keeper, Sven Ulrich. No, he's not. He would probably walk into the starting eleven on any other team, save for Dortmund, Gladbach. Even I'd say Dortmund. He'd definitely give Burki a run for his money. Um, Gladbach with Jan Zoma probably would not walk into that team, and then maybe Leipzig with be push Galashi. Uh, yeah, with Galashi. But other than that, I don't see any other team where he would, you know, have trouble getting the number one spot. That's that's uh, a big. It's a, a big, big statement. Big statement. I definitely, uh, you know, tell us what you think about that one. Is Ulreich one of the top five keepers in the Bundesliga, even though he's been behind Manuel Neuer for five years? I mean, I'm just going to talk about when Neuer was injured for a season, how he backed up Neuer and basically made every, anyone forget that he was really there up until the semifinal against Madrid, where he then all of a sudden inexplicably <laughs> And I lost my shit. Oh, I've still got the video from that night. Oh gee, don't you don't see your, you can see your soul leave your body as your, head, really as your head sinks deeper into your palms. It's great. Oh yeah, it is, it is. So what, it what is else lovely. in the Bundesliga has happened? Um Benjamin Stambouli is taking a massive pay cut to extend his contract with Schalke. Um, it's a move that basically is aiming to keep the players who are, you know, trying to become, you know, an identifying or like a club talisman, you know, the players who are fighting for the, for the crest and the club uh, more than the money. 
So um, I'd say it's a good move by Schalke. And, you know, when he gets fit, hopefully he can pay back their trust in him. One so last it's thing it's a good move from Stambouli yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. It also shows that he's got character. You know, yeah, he's, he's definitely going, going to, to become an auto, almost an automatic fan favorite. Oh yeah, especially I mean, especially when he's like you know he's quoting you know, the club motto and stuff when he does that when he does this and he like even when he was out injured and you know towards the end of the season he was on the bench every time you know basically talking to fans who were pissed off after games and stuff and you know he was actually he was trying and you could tell that he's you know he's he's more than just you know an outside player who's come in and basically just coming there because he wants to play and. Uh, and he only cares about his own playing time. He actually cares about the club, which is which is nice to see. Um, one more small thing: Max Kuse, who terminated his contract with Fenerbahce Istanbul over um, payment disputes, which is something not That's unheard of in fun. Turkey. I was about to say that Super League in Turkey is kind of known for the players who come from top five leagues and then come there, and then they're basically you know. Uh, Loris Carlos, I think, also has. Uh, yeah, he he had his terminated. he had his uh, loan terminated because early. of also payment disputes. Yeah, that, also because is that just disputes. a case of them promising players from top five leagues similar wages to what they're on? Well, I mean, here's the thing: I don't I don't know how they can do that because a club when they, especially within in Carlos's position, when the clubs talk about a loan. Both clubs basically make it clear this is how his wages are going to be split up. Either you're going, either the club who's loaning the player or taking the player on is going to take over all of his wages, or they take over at least half. Or is and, this is this a another sports casualty of the pandemic? What with not having full stadiums and things like that. I I don't think so because these these allegations of payments being withheld, at least in Carlos's uh, case, already going back to as far as September 2019. And he's talking about he hasn't been paid since then. And that was one of the reasons. Shit. Exactly. And I mean, seeing as this is not, this is not only, these are two clubs out of the Super League. I think it's, it's, a, it's, it's a small running, it's almost like a pattern with uh, Turkish, uh, Turkish clubs. Anyways, that meant that Kuza is now looking for a club and specifically has said, I want to join or rejoin the Bundesliga. I want to join the Bundesliga club. His ex-club, who he left for Istanbul, um, Werder Bremen, have already, even though they've said it would be like a little fairy tale, have already ruled out that he will be coming back to them, even though I think they would, he would have provided some much-needed scoring ability in that team. Did he not go somewhere lower down, like an Union Berlin? I'd say I I could definitely see him there. Um, you know, at some either some mid-table club or some you know bottom half club, bottom half of the table club. I definitely could see him there. Be interesting because I mean, he, he was always one of those players that was take take me back to secondary school, the Bundesliga highlight show on ITV Four. <laughs> they used to absolutely love him on there. And I mean, he's he's a decent striker as well. He's a, he's one of those strikers who no one really you know has on their radar, and then all of a sudden he pops up at the end of the season, having scored you know ten to fifteen goals over the whole season, and everyone's like, "Whoa, he's done some stuff. That's decent." I don't know. We'll see, see where he lands. Yeah. Um, before we move on to your much 
debated topic of Jaden Sancho, we Ugh. need to address the other Manchester club who has now been on a small shopping spree in the last couple of days. Ferran or Fernan? Ferran Torres. From he's Valencia. 20. It's depressing because he's three years younger than we are. He's 2,000. I don't 2000 like that. born. That's grim. Yeah, so he's basically the Leroy Sané replacement. And they got him way under market value for but 23 million euros. That compensates itself out by them having just paid Bournemouth, in my opinion, over market value for Nathan Ake. So they've paid oh, 41 million for Nathan Ake for a relegated centre-back. It was a 41 million. So that's 41 million pounds because I don't think 41 million pounds comes out to 55 million euros because that's what they're reporting over here. Uh, which is Sky Sports saying, News says 41 million pounds. Okay. So the, the figure that they're reporting in Germany is so far is in the realm of 55 million. Obviously, that's not an exact confirmation. That might, that might be everything with add ons. True, true. Because like I was he about makes to say a certain number of appearances because he won't. Yeah. If they. If they sign the players they're linked with, if they sign the centre-back, then they're not. Yeah, I mean, I, I see your point. 55 million euros comes out to 49.7 million pounds. So I guess that must be another add-on clause that gets them another 8 million. But still, that's, that's an unreal amount of money for a centre-back who just, as you've said, has been relegated with Bournemouth. I mean, God, God knows they need a centre-back up, upgrade, but... You know, I've seen a lot of them moaning like, oh, you know, United spend so much money on all these average. It's like, mate, you've just, since Pep's joined City, spent 400 million on defenders alone. I mean, to be fair, defense wins you titles, right? (laughs) (laughs) Not not the money that they've spent on the shit they've got at the moment. Fair play. I mean, John Stones is apparently being looked at by West Ham, if I remember that correctly. Ah, how the mighty have fallen. Oh, really? I mean, I'm, the man I'm from Barnsley. To be, I mean, here's the thing. Ferran Torres, going back to him, he had a market value, according to Transfermarkt, of 45 million euros, and City paid 23 million for him. I mean, given that must be, the dent must be because of the coronavirus and things like that, but still. And he was apparently one of the up-and-coming players at Valencia and one of Valencia's star players. You would think that they'd try and get more than 23. You think about the last player they bought from Valencia. Oh, yeah. Messer David Silva. Very true, very true. But we're going now to the of the week. Your favorite topic. It's your favorite topic. Jaden Sancho, what have you got for us? The start of the week, Lewis, I was <laughs> quietly optimistic. Now, however, huh. okay, something interesting. So last night, Tuesday, at time of recording, English press and English media, quite respected English press. So David Ornstein from The Athletic and Simon Stone, who is, you know, Mr. United, on Twitter, <laughs> a respected journalist reporting that there was that United were prepared to walk away, they wouldn't be bullied by Dortmund. You know, say this is what we're going to offer, we won't be bullied into paying you all of it. On the flip well, I'm side, pretty sure you, you said and you said yourself that this is with you know 
as much force as you can muster. Bullshit. <laughs> Pretty much. Because you've got people, uh, Christian Falk, who you know, Mr. Bayern. Yes, sir. And my favourite, the godfather of transfer news, Fabrizio. Just, Romano? Yeah, that's it. I couldn't remember his last name. Christ, I can't like go. him that much. <laughs> Jesus. What did my, the mind cut out? Went, my mind went blank then. <laughs> godfather of transfer news, Fabrizio Romano, saying that personal terms have been agreed and they're edging closer to agreeing a deal, a flat fee with instalments. Uh, it was reported again today by Christian Falk that it would yeah. be 70 million flat, 30 million next season, 20 million the season after. So that is Dortmund's magic number of 120 million euros for Jaden Sancho. It's in I mean, more if manageable I were Dortmund, chunks. Yeah, it's in more manageable chunks for United who weren't prepared to pay it all down because who does that? Also, Corona. Oh, well, yeah. But the interesting thing I found and the interesting thing I want to talk to you about is I'm going to call it the United Club Brief. Okay? <laughs> so yes. take me back to last summer. Similar Harry thing. Harry Maguire. We needed a centre-back. Harry Maguire. Man United and Leicester remain apart on defenders' valuation. I'll take you to January. Man United to walk from Bruno Fernandes' deal unless Sporting Lisbon lower demands. And I'm fairly certain the same thing happened with Aaron Wambasaka. <laughs> so what? it's got to be some sort of weird shit negotiation tactic that Edward Wood's trying, which clearly well, doesn't work because we pay what the club want for the players anyway. But then something else I found quite interesting. So the brother of Stefan Licksteiner, or Sebastian Licksteiner, the one that used to play for Juve. Stefan, yeah. Stefan Licksteiner. His brother is working as an intermediary with a third-party organization in the deal. It's the same people that were intermediaries for Aubameyang to Arsenal and Usman Dembele to Barca. Yeah. So is that the way Dortmund do deals or is it people get so frustrated with how hard, with how they play hardball that it's like, I can't sit in a room with Mikhail Zork anymore. I need to send in someone else. I don't know about that one because I could, I could imagine it because Dortmund are, as they are listed on the stock market for one thing, they're very much... Well, they have to adhere to what their shareholders want. So basically, at the end of the day, when you're listed on the stock market as a club, your club has had better be making serious dough and some serious profit, as with any company listed on the stock exchange. Any company, any company listed on the stock exchange that is not making profit, the shares go down and the shareholders get pissed off because they see their money going out the tu- down the tubes. So basically, if you're Dortmund and you are listed on the stock exchange, you have an obligation to your shareholders that you make them money. So when they have that star player that they now know can generate some serious cash, they're going to probably play hardball when it comes to that, uh, when it comes to their transfer fees. And 
all credit to them, they've managed to bring some serious money in for Aubameyang, for Dembele. The downside to that tactic is something that Uli Hoeneß has criticized this week and has started a serious beef again between Dortmund execs and Bayern execs by saying Dortmund have this small club mentality where they buy players not to make them players for the club, but to turn them into marketable assets that they can sell for a ton of money in a few years time. And that way, no player that they can, that they sign can really soak up the DNA of the club and say, I'm going to be here for a long time. And thus they can't build a hierarchy in the team. They can't build a solid structure in the team and thus they will never win a title. I'm going to have to agree with him. Yeah. It's hard to disagree with that because you think about the history they've had, you know, Dembele, Aubameyang, even Goethe, Kagawa. What I found quite, not funny, but quite interesting was that the, uh, you know, Sky Sports News, The Athletic, people like Simon Stone, club sources, or my sources have told me. So someone in that club is telling the British media, oh yeah, if they keep doing this, we're going to walk away and they won't get any money from us. Sometimes Mm. I can imagine it works. But Dortmund aren't in a position to sell. Yeah, I mean, here's, here's my thinking with that one. This is because you, you've definitely highlighted the whole deal with the intermediary being, you know, something. I thought the intermediary was more from United's side being brought in and that United have been using an intermediary so that they have this as a tactic in order to have plausible deniability when it comes to dealing with the media. Basically saying... We haven't had any dealings with whatever club we're supposed to be uh, negotiating with, and there are no deals on the table so that they can say, basically, technically, we don't have any dealings because we're not directly dealing with that club because we're using an intermediary. Well, funny you say that because Mikhail Zork said exactly that not too long ago. (laughs) There's no contact with United. There's been no offer. I expect Jaden Sancho to come with us on August 10th to our training camp. Yeah, so I guess then, then, then I'm guessing that it was Dortmund who are, doing, who are using this tactic and not United. I just thought that United basically had a pattern of using this tactic with, as you said, Maguire, Fernandez, even Wambasaka. So I guess then the, it's the flip side. I think we just, we just lie to the press. I mean, it's, it is hard because if you don't, if you, it, I mean, I get, it's nice to have the plausible deniability as a club when it comes to dealing with the press and it's brilliant on, you know, the execs part and also working with their PR department as well. So, I mean, because the only thing that we basically know now is that personal terms between United and Sancho have apparently been agreed with something in the realm of 250K pounds per week and a five-year contract, if I have my figures correct there. Yeah, and you'd think wages wouldn't be an issue because if we no. offload Sanchez, which we're apparently doing for free, we're ripping up his contract. Yeah, yeah. For free, because he won't take a wage cut because he's a greedy bastard. Yeah, but, okay, but let's be, re- let's be real. You wouldn't have gotten a ton of money for him anyway. You, I would have been surprised if you would get 20 mil for Sanchez at this point. But that's the thing. Someone asked me when I, when I put that thing up today on... 80 sports news on our Instagram. Flicking, yeah. for, flicking for Sancho updates. One of my mates was like, well, what about Sanchez? And I had to think about it. And I had a, 
a read of some stuff. And the only thing I can really find, good football, a great ability, but I think there was no cohesion. When he walked in that club on £500,000 a week, you completely throw up any bonding that team had. Because yeah, every, you know, yeah. you pull Pogba. Paul Pogba sat in there, who arguably at the time was our best player, highest profile even, players going, yeah. Why am I why am I not on on that much? Do you not am I not valued? So, yeah, long story exactly. short, is we didn't have to pay a transfer fee for him. That's why he had so much money. But you can't offer that amount of money. But I, I mean, it, it is one of those things. It's why Bayern never go for, you know, the Neymars of this world because they don't want to kill their club cohesion by bringing in a player who is basically going to say, well, you know, your wages where your top earning player earns maybe 300K a week. I think that's what Solskjaer has done well. He's brought back some identity to transfers under Van Gaal. Definitely under Mourinho. Yeah, weren't there? Give, I'll give I'll give him that, and I think I think United are basically they're too, they're just you know ever since Fergie left they're trying to rebuild a team of you know the star players that they had during the Fergie era, and um, it it is one of those things. But I guess it's almost you know Sanchez is a perfect example of the fact of when you have when a club has too much money but no, but are in a rebuilding phase where um, in terms of their philosophy and in terms of their team, um, where you basically, where the money then that you throw at it is just going to do more harm than good. Definitely. And that's something we can talk about next week, next week in more depth because we've been going for just over an hour now. So thanks well, for listening, he- guys. Another hefty episode. It's another, another hefty, hefty episode. one. But it's packed full of high-quality content, Lewis. And as our motto says, quality sports news. Shameless plug, that. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more on European competition and the latest transfer news. Maybe Billy will be finally able to sleep at night announce and, and wet himself over you know, United's possible front three uh, being confirmed. But... That's all from us this week, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.